Right. Well, good evening. Good to see everyone out this evening. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and see what he has for us. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, to worship, and to praise you. Lord, we ask that you would just speak to our hearts tonight. Give us exactly what we need to hear, that we may be better servants for thee. Lord, we do, again, thank you for all that you do. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good evening. For our first song tonight, we'll be singing page 262, There is Power in the Blood. Page 262, we'll be singing the first, second, and the last verse. Our second song tonight will be seeing page 200, uh, no, 463, Blessed Assurance, page 463. We'll be seeing all three verses.
please take a couple of minutes to have some fellowship. As you make, make your way back to your seats, our last song tonight will be page 325, Softly and Tenderly. Page 325, we'll be singing the first, second, and the last verse. singing tonight. I do appreciate you being here on this Wednesday evening. Good to see Brother Adam with us, of course, uh, and Miss Evelyn, I'm sure she's at home watching and uh, tending to the baby, so we're thankful that everything 
went well there. And you continue to pray for mama and baby and dad too, probably trying to get some sleep. And so you pray for them uh, during this time. All right, well, uh, tonight we're going to begin a new series. Lord been dealing with me some time ago about uh, just about the difference that Jesus makes. The difference that Jesus makes, and that's kind of what I titled the, the series. I don't know, I've got probably five messages right now lined up. Um, but the difference that Jesus makes, do you remember the day that you got saved? Think about that just for a moment. The day that you got saved and that transforming uh, life, the changed life that, that happened. That the all, I mean, it was just a day i never forget. And uh, the difference that he made in my life. I was going one way and he saved me and made my go a different direction altogether. And, and as one reads the Gospels, it's quickly, it quickly becomes apparent that uh, the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ was, uh, it was a people-centered ministry. And there are two verses that really distinguish this or uh, declare this. And, and it's the Lord's mission statement. The Bible says in Luke 19.10, it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Also, Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Obviously, Jesus came into this world with the cross on his heart and on his mind, and, and he was literally born to die. You've heard me say that many times. The passage in Mark chapter 10.45 does tell us about Jesus coming to give his life a ransom for many, but it also tells us that he came to earth to minister. And that word minister, if you do a word study, it means to serve. It, it, it literally comes, it, it's the word that we get the word uh, deacon from or the word servant from, to serve. Uh, that's what it means, to minister, to be a deacon, to be a servant. And Jesus came to this world to die for men, but he also came to serve. So often I hear people say, what does your church have to offer me? Uh, we don't come to church to be served. We come to church to serve. And we need to have that mindset that we come to church to serve. And you see, this attitude of service is seen over and over in the personal encounters that Jesus came in contact with while he walked here on, in this world. Over the next few Wednesday nights, Lord willing, I, I'd like to take a closer look at the personal encounters, the, the difference that Jesus makes in, the per, in people's lives as recorded in the Gospels. And so today I want to begin this series. I've titled The Difference Jesus Makes. And I want you to see that time spent with the Lord is important and it's powerful and it's very life-changing. As we observe Jesus and his interactions with people of his day, we'll see how we will uh, interact with, uh, with anyone uh, who, how he will interact with anyone who will take the time to spend time with him, that will just uh, spend time with him. I want you to join me in Mark chapter 1, verse 40 through 45. Uh, this is a very familiar story. In Mark chapter 1, verse 40, we'll begin reading there. It says, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and said unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. And he straightly charged him, and forthwith sent him away, and said unto, uh, said, uh, unto him, see thou, say, see thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priests, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But he went out and began, began to publish it much and blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places, and they came to him from every quarter. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, again, thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, as we look at this story of this leper, the encounter of this leper, the, the life, uh, the difference that you made in this man's life. Lord, uh, the same is said about me, the difference you made in my life. 
It was a changed life, and we're going to view that today. And Lord, I pray that we'll take this simple message, apply it to our hearts and our lives, that we may be better servants for you. Lord, I pray that if there's one here that doesn't know you, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Speak as only you can, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This passage finds Lord Jesus in in the midst of a tiring and a uh, trying preaching campaign. We're told in verses 21 through 34 of Mark 1 that uh, just the day before, Jesus had taught in the synagogue. In verse 21 through 22, he cast out demons. In uh, verses 23 through 28, he uh, healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law with the issue of blood. And then in verses 29 through 31, he healed many sick folk and delivered others from demonic possession. You would think that uh, by this time, Jesus might need a rest, might need a break uh, with such a crazy schedule. However, in verse 35, finds Jesus up in the place of prayer well before daylight. And um, when his disciples find him, he tells them it is time to go into the neighboring cities and to, to preach and uh, uh, and for that was the reason he came, was to minister, was to, uh, to tell the world uh, of himself there. You, you, uh, in the midst of his preaching and teaching ministry in Capernaum here, he's interrupted by one single man and a leper. It is this personal encounter that I want to talk about tonight and uh, see if we can get, draw some things from that. And we're going to look at this, the, the, this scene and witness for ourselves a changed life. So the message is uh, the difference Jesus makes is a changed life. Notice number one in verse 40. Notice the condition of this man. Let's look there again in verse 40. It says, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. You see, notice his disease. Uh, he was, he, he, uh, we're told that this man... Uh, who approached the Lord Jesus was a leper. Uh, Of all the diseases and the afflictions of that time that devastated the ancient world of that day, none was more fearsome than that of leprosy. I mean, that was kind of like this coronavirus going around nowadays. You know, everybody's breaking out, you know, scared about it. You know, that's kind of maybe what they were thinking back then, but all, probably even worse. I mean, the, the fact that leprosy, if someone had leprosy, it just, it, uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit, but this disease usually started with a person beginning to, to feel a little tired, and then, and then for no reason necessarily, he, he, he would just have a little fatigue, and then, and then uh, his joints would become, begin to be sore, and then, uh, and then at the... Uh, one day, the man would notice a white spot on his uh, appearing on his skin, and then uh, the, then those spots became into hardened nodules, and those nodules turned into uh, white to pink, and then to brown, and became very scaly and very painful. And uh, those nodules begin to spread all over the body of the leper. They would afflict the face first, and then uh, to the point where you couldn't even uh, distinguish their face. I mean, it was so. It would change their appearance, and it would uh, it would become their face would become all nodgly and wrinkled, and covered their face until they could uh, tell a man that uh, that a man covered with leprosy would begin to resemble a lion. That's what you could kind of uh, picture in your mind. And then those nodules would begin to ulcerate. And I'm not trying to be gross. I'm just wanting you to get the picture here. And they would be filled with pus. And, and then they would begin to run over all over the body. And, and there would be a foul odor, which they would cover with the, the filthy rags. They would cover the, uh, uh, the sores up to, to keep back the, the uh, pugent smell and, and the, uh, the, uh, uh, the pus and the things such as that. And, uh, and then the nodules would cover his vocal cords, and he, when he breathed, he would, begin to, uh, he would have a wheezing sound. And, and uh, when he breathed, and then he, he talked, he would have a raspiness in his voice. So you see, the disease of leprosy just began, as a, as a, uh, to, uh, began to totally consume a man until the body, a man's body became little more than just a pool of slime. 
All over his body he would have these nodules, his eyebrows and would uh, begin to fall out, his hair would turn white, and every inch of the man's body would begin to rot away, literally rot away. As he walked, he would uh, leave wet spots where the pus would pour out from his, from his hands and his feet and other members of his bodies. And they would begin, his fingers, his toes, and his limbs would begin to fall off. It was, a, it was a nasty disease. So when a man got into the grips of leprosy, uh, leprosy he, he might actually, uh, uh, what he might do, it was, uh, he might put his hand, and it was also affected the nervous system, and maybe he might put his hand in fire, not even feel it, it would consume his hand with fire. And then maybe he would be walking and then step on a thorn or something and go through his foot and not even feel it because of, of this. And the man would actually, they, they would say the average lifespan would be about nine years. And it would be such a terrible disease to have until they, they, they just finally collapsed into a pool. You see, as if it were enough, the terrible social isolation that came along with this as well. It went hand in hand with the disease. Must, uh, this must also be considered. And when it was determined that a man had leprosy, they were, they were banished from, uh, from their camp or from their village, and he was no longer allowed to commune with the people that he loved, the people, his friends, his family. Uh, he, was, he was banished to a, a leper's colony, and uh, if he was, he was not to approach any of his family or friends or anybody else, he wasn't allowed to come within 50 feet of anyone. If it was a windy day, the rule changed to 200 feet. He could not touch his family. He could not, he'd only see them from a distance. How hard would that be? He had to tear his garments so people would recognize that he was a leper. He was, he was to dress in mourner's clothes like he was going to a funeral service, his own funeral service. Over his upper lip, he would have to wear a cloth so that he wouldn't spread the contamination Every time that he saw people, every time he saw people coming, he would have to yell, unclean, unclean, unclean. And what people would do oftentimes, to, because of the fear that they had of this, uh, they would start throwing stones at him to get him to stay away. Don't cut, even come close to me. What a devastating disease this was. So here's the condition of this man. Here is a picture of this man that the Bible says was filled with leprosy. That he was, had it covered. So now this tells us that he was filled. So it's not just that it just that this leprosy just now appeared, that it's in its uh, first stages of the soreness and, and, and the fatigue, but it's, he's full of leprosy now. This is a horrible image, and some may be thinking, Pastor, why, why even telling us this? There's nobody in here that has leprosy. Well, I'd like to answer it this way. The Bible, in the Bible, leprosy is far more than a disease. It's also a type of sin. While no one in this room may be a leper, everyone in this room has a problem with sin. And of all the diseases mentioned in the Bible, none picture sin more clearly than the disease of leprosy. You can read about it in Leviticus 13, and uh, it gives all the regulations and the diagnosis and the, uh, dealing with the leprosy. And I want to point out just a few of these things, and we'll, we'll get into the message, but I, I want to teach you some things. Leprosy is deeper than the skin. It's deeper than the skin. In Leviticus 13.3, uh, I'm not going to turn there just for the sake of time, but it tells us, uh, tells us about that it's deeper than skin. So is, so is sin. The outward manifestation of sin uh, are merely a window into the heart. You see, man isn't a sinner because he sins. Man is a sinner because, uh, uh, sins because he is a sinner. I have an old pocket watch. I meant to bring it tonight, but I have an old pocket watch that I that I have. It was it was my dad's, and he gave it to me. and um, And this old pocket watch, it looks good. I mean, it looks it looks perfect. It's old, but it, it's very nice. Uh, it's something that's sentimental to me. And uh, but there's a problem with the inside. 
It doesn't need a new battery. It doesn't need winding. There's something wrong with it on the inside. It needs a watchmaker to, to repair the problem, and it needs something radical to happen within. It needs something, uh, something to happen within there. So is it with sinners. Quick external religious fixes won't do the job. The lost person needs a radical surgery in their hearts. Leprosy starts out, not only is leprosy deeper than the skin, but also leprosy starts out small and then it spreads. I'm going to turn there just so you can get uh, just a picture of what it says. Leviticus 13, you can turn there if you like. Or the Bible says in Leviticus 13... And verse 7, it says, But if the scab spread much abroad in the skin, after that he hath been seen of the priest for his cleansing, he shall be seen of the priest again. Leprosy starts out small, but then it, it spreads out. Just as a leper may have seen a tiny white spot on his skin one day, it wasn't many, uh, many days until his flesh was consumed by this loathsome disease. Oh, what a picture of sin that is. Look at David in 2 Samuel chapter 11. A little spot of laziness turned into adultery and turned into an unwanted pregnancy and turned into lies and murder. A little drink will turn into a big problem with alcohol. A little drugs will turn into a bigger problem with drugs. Let a little sin in there and before you know it, it will consume your life and destroy your whole life. Leprosy also defiles everything it touches. And verses uh, Leviticus 13, 44-46 says this, he is a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest shall pronounce him utterly unclean. His plague is in his head. Uh, and the leper uh, in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent and his head bare. And he shall put a clothing upon his upper lip and shall cry unclean, unclean. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. And uh, he is unclean. Uh, he shall dwell alone, without the camp shall the habitant, habitation be. It defies everything, defiles everything he touches. When a, when a man was smitten with leprosy, he was totally and thoroughly defiled. So it is with sin. Sin has a way of poisoning a person's entire life. Sin has a way of doing that. It, it will poison your family. It will, it will poison your relationships. It will devastate and ruin everything that it touches in your life. Ask Achan if a little gold and a little silver and a garment was worth uh, his life and the lives of his family members. Ask David if a few uh, stolen moments with another man's wife were worth the devastation that it, and the affliction that had happened on his family's life. I mean, his family from that point on was a mess. But then leprosy isolates. Le Leviticus 13.46, we just read that. Leper was isolated from the camp of the clean. He was forced to dwell alone on the fringes of society. Sin also isolates. It drives a wedge between family members and it separates the sinner from God. Leprosy destines things for fire. In Leviticus 13.52 says this, He shall therefore burn the, that garment... Whether wrap or wolf, in woolen or in linen, or anything of the skin, wherein the plague is, for it is a threatening leprosy, it shall be burnt in the fire. Everything the leper touched was to be burned. So it is with sin. It destines those afflicted by the, to, to the fires of eternal torment. It's easy to see why leprosy of the physical variety 
was such a big deal. It's also to see how that cruel and terrible disease pictures the horror of sin. But then I want you to notice his desire. Notice this man's desire. So he, here's a man. He has this disease. We've seen his disease. His life was, was devastated by the scourge of leprosy. Perhaps he awoke this morning, this morning that uh, he heard that uh, Jesus was coming, uh, coming through town. And maybe he heard how this Jesus had healed and how uh, healed all sorts of diseases and, and cast out demons. And maybe for the first time in a long time, maybe he had this, his hope was awake. Awakened and his heart was conditioned to feel only hopelessness. You see, most people believe that leprosy was a stroke of God, that it was a direct judgment of God for the, for the sin uh, of the leper. Leprosy was a cruel blow to a person's self-esteem. It made them feel unlovable, unwanted, and uncared for. But the morning, but that morning, faith awakened in the heart of that man and that leper, and he knew that he had to get to Jesus. Whatever motivated him, this poor, wretched man began to hobble his way to Jesus. Can you see the multitudes as a crowd around the Savior? Can you hear the commotion in the back of your, uh, the crowd as, as people realize that there was a leper in their midst? Can you see the crowd begin to part, uh, part ways and, and, and cry out with fear because of the disgust of this man that was approaching in their midst? He makes his way through the frightened crowd and stops within arm's length of our Savior. He kneels before the Lord and he declared to the Lord his, uh, his desire. He tells him, he, he said he, to Jesus, uh, uh, his, his very condition, he tells him, he's, his words indicate the desire to be befreed from his, his disease. But also his words declare his faith in Christ's ability. And his words reveal his own sense of unworthiness before the Lord. These three things are a picture of what should be in the hearts of a sinner who, who wants to come to Jesus and be saved from their sins. There must be a desire to be freed from the sin that binds us. And conviction produces this desire in the heart of the sinner. And, and there must be faith in, in the ability that Jesus can save the soul. And this faith is God's free gift. And it produces in the heart of, a, of the sinner by the Holy Spirit. And then there will also be a sense of unworthiness that comes before coming before the Lord. I don't know about you, but when I got saved, I thought, huh, why would the Lord want to have anything to do with me? Why would the God that created the heavens and the earth, that spoke the world into existence, why would, I, why would he want anything to do with me? It's a sense of unworthiness. See, you're not worthy to come to Jesus. The devil may tell you that, and he's right. Your, your own heart may tell you you're not worthy to come to Jesus. Your heart is right, but don't let that stop you from coming. You might not be worthy to come, but he will never turn you away when you do come. That is the power of God's amazing grace. When the flesh and the devil says you're not worthy... And they're right, but when they, when they say he won't save you, they're wrong. See, this old leper has reached the place where he knows he needs a miracle of God in his life to deliver him from this, this disease. Apparently, he's at the last stages. For Luke tells us in Luke 5.12 that he's full of leprosy. He was nearly gone and he needs divine intervention. Think about that. So he came to Jesus. Friend, if your life has been wrecked and ruined by sin, let me tell you that you too need divine intervention. You need what only Jesus can give you. You need a miracle. And, and you need to do like this leper and go to the feet of Jesus. But then I want you to notice number two. I want you to notice the compassion, the compassion of the Lord. 
and verse 41 and 42, back of our text. Okay, get back there. Mark 1. Verse 41. The Bible says, And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. Then verse 42 says, And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. Verse 45 says this, But he went out and began to publish it much, and blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without, a, without in desert places, and they came to him from every quarter. As a crowd watches, this leper falls down before the Lord and asks for a miracle. What will Jesus do? Will he also turn away in disgust as everybody else has? Will he call the, for the man to be stoned as many would have done in that day? No, Jesus does the, unspe- uh, the unthinkable. He shows this man compassion. And it's revealed in his touch. Think about this. It had been years. It had been years probably since anyone has touched this man. It had been years since this man had held his children or maybe his wife. It had been years since he had felt the touch of another human being. He had been isolated and alone. To touch a leper made one unclean and was strictly forbidden by the law. Touching a leper could possibly cause the one touching to become infected as well. But what did Jesus do? He touched him. I don't know what the leper expected, probably to be ran off at best or stoned at worst. But imagine his surprise when Jesus reached out and touched him. He never expected that. Can you hear the crowd gasp? in surprise and shock as they see Jesus reaching out to touch this leprous man. But oh, how glorious that one touch must have felt to this man. If there was any feeling left in his skin, it must have felt like nothing he had ever felt before. But others would never have touched a leper out of fear of contacting that disease. However, Jesus cleansed the cleanest man in the, in the entire crowd, touched him without fear. What was different about his touch? The leper did not transmit to Jesus the corruption of his disease. Rather, Jesus transmitted to the leper the cleansing of his deity. Do you know that Jesus is still touching lives today? It makes no difference who you are or what you've done. You're not so bad to beyond his touch. Have you experienced his touch? Do you remember the hopeless loss, the hopeless lostness of your state and of your sins? Do you remember how good it felt when Jesus reached down and touched you? If you do, then you know the glory of his touch. If you don't, you need to know that he can still touch you today. But then not only is it revealed in his touch, but also it's revealed in the transformation. As soon as Jesus touched him, the Bible says he was made clean. His leprosy instantly departed from him. And his skin, I believe that his skin became fresh, as soft as a baby's behind, they would say. I believe it with all my heart. I believe the healing touch of our Lord and Savior, that's what it does. I mean, it was smooth. This old uh, skin that he had that was all wrinkled up and and full of pus and, and, and it was so gross. I believe that it came to perfection. That skin was nice and soft and, and smooth to touch. Everything changed when he felt that transforming touch of Jesus on his skin. That's what happens spiritually. Think about it. When a sinner feels that saving touch of the Lord Jesus instantly, the blackness and the deadness of skin is replaced with the life and the glory of God. 
The sinner is no longer lost, but he's found. Is no longer dead, but alive. Is no longer an outcast, but a, made a child of God. If there's one lost. You need to listen. Just as Jesus changed the, this, the life of this leper, he can change your life as well. But then I want you to notice the final thing. The command of the law. Look there in verse 43. It says, And he straightly charged him, and forthwith sent him away, and said unto him, See thou, say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. There were some demands by the law. There were some demands. This leper was to go and to present himself to the priest and, and he was to get a certificate of cleansing uh, uh, on the basis of the ceremony there in Leviticus chapter 14. Now over there in Leviticus chapter 14, here's what it says. It, that, uh, it says that the leper was to come to the priest and the priest was to go outside the camp and where the leper was and then the priest must help the leper understand the place for his cleansing, the place of his cleansing. The leper couldn't go in there where the priest was. The priest had to come out where the leper was, and that's exactly what Jesus has done for us. When we couldn't get to heaven, Jesus came down for us. That priest was to take an earthen vessel filled with water, and he was to take two birds... Now one of the birds, those birds he killed and the, uh, let the, took the blood of that bird and poured it into the water. And then the priest was to take the blood and apply it to the wings of the other bird, and uh, the living bird. And, and he took that living bird with the blood sprinkled from its wings out to an open field. And uh, he let that bird loose, and that bird would go flying up in the air, and the leopard would see the blood dropping down from the bird, and he would understand his price of his cleansing, and his message would come to the, to the leopard, I am clean because of the blood. I'm clean because of the blood. There's only one element that can cleanse you from your sins today. And that's the blood of Jesus Christ. You say, well, my sins are so deep. His blood is deeper. My sins go too far. His, blood's go, his blood goes much farther. My sins are strong. I mean, they're big. His blood is much stronger, much bigger. Just as a leopard has his cleansing completed by the application of blood... So the sinner today is made clean through the shed blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Then I want you to notice the last thing. Notice the desire of the Lord. Notice what Jesus says that this will be for a testimony unto them. I would say that the high priest had never seen a leper cleansed. Of that day, I, I would venture to, to say that he had never utilized that commandment given in Leviticus 14. Maybe he did, I don't know. But that day, he was put on notice that there was a man in town who had a power to take away leprosy. What a testimony it was when the poor old leper was gloriously cleansed and applied at the temple of cleansing. What a testimony it is when Jesus changes a life. See, your friends, I, my friends, I'll use myself, my friends before I got saved knew who I was. I was a wicked, wicked sinner. But what a testimony it is when they can see the difference of a changed life. The difference of a changed life. When he liberates a soul from the bondage of sin and sets a sinner free, it's a glorious thing. It honors him and it draws others to him. 
Notice in verse 45 it says, But he went out and began to publish it much, and to blaze, uh, and to blaze abroad uh, the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places, and they came to him from every quarter. Think about this just for a moment. Has people seen the change that Jesus has made in your life? Has people seen the change that Jesus has made in your life? Everyone who had been set free from bondage of sin ought to be out there publishing the matter and telling and watching the world as Jesus sets sinners free and changes lives forever. What a blessing the testimony of God's saints are. Not your whining, but your story of salvation can be used of the Lord to change lives. Are you like the poor old leper? Are you diseased spiritually in need of help today? Jesus still can touch you with that life-changing, soul-saving touch. If he's dealing with your heart, you need to know that the touch is still available today. Maybe you're here and you're, you're saved, but you're away from the Lord. Your life needs to be touched once again. Not for salvation, but for surrender and service to Him. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. The difference Jesus makes. Number one, it's a changed life. The difference He made in my life he changed it. I was going in the wrong direction, and he changed it. What about you? Have you experienced, have you come in contact with Jesus? Have you experienced the changed life? You're here tonight. You say, Pastor, I know for sure I'm saved. There's some things in my life that's not right. I want to I encourage you to find a place at the altar. Maybe you're here and you say, I'm not saved. I need, to, I need a touch from heaven. I need to be saved. I'm going to encourage you to find a place at the altar and we can open up God's word and show you how you can know for sure that heaven's your home. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, I thank you for the touch. That touch that you bestowed upon me and you saved my life and you set me free. Lord, I ask tonight, Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you, that today be the day of salvation. Lord, for those that are, that are away from you, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you will just draw them nigh to you today. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. We'll give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor that comes from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. God spoke to your heart tonight as Brother Adam begins playing. I encourage you to find a place at the altar. As you're in an attitude of prayer, just want you to continue to pray for Miss Evelyn and baby Bethany and uh, pray for them. All right. I would ask that you, uh, tomorrow we're supposed to close on our, our old house. Uh, so praise the Lord. Thank you for all your prayers and that. Uh, Lord willing, 
tomorrow. That weight will be lifted off our, our back. So thankful for that. Someone else have a prayer request tonight? Yes, Brother Peyton. I'll be Slater. All right, Jennifer. Someone else. All right. Yes, Brother Tim. One of my, uh, my redeemed or grieved or replacement with Ralph. I spoke to her last night. She was driving to the mall. Yet to call her tonight to see if she made it home. Praise God for that. Okay. And my nephew, he and his wife had a baby a few weeks ago, and <clears throat> the baby was in NICU. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, again, thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, I thank you for the privilege we have to come and just to lift our petitions, but uh, Lord, also just to uh, study your word. Lord, we ask tonight as, uh, Lord, we ask that you would be with Albie Slater, Lord, as he's having some heart issues. Lord, I pray that you would give the doctors wisdom, uh, Lord, as he goes in later on this month. Lord, I ask that you would uh, be with uh, continue to be with Brother Tim's mom as she's had her knee surgery, and thank you for that going well. Lord, I pray that you would continue to uh, touch her, and also for his nephew's baby, as uh, uh, hopefully uh, the baby got to go home today. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to be with that family as well. Lord, I also thank you for the praises that we've heard tonight about our closing tomorrow, and then also for Jennifer's house being paid off. And Lord, we just uh, thank you for. Uh, meeting our needs and uh, Lord blessing us with, uh, uh, with things that you do. Lord, we do ask that you would uh, uh, be with our upcoming services this weekend. Pray that you would bring folks in and the lost and that uh, we would see souls saved. Lord, I do again thank you for the privilege we have to pray. And Lord, there's other petitions I know out there, Lord, I'm aware of, uh, just not uh, liberty to speak of. Lord, I ask that you would just meet those needs according to your will as well. Lord, I pray that you would just have all, get all the glory and the praise for it. And thank you for all that you do. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you. Uh, you are dismissed. I do want to remind you, this coming Saturday is our prayer breakfast, if you're able to make it out.